this is Dragon Talk. Oh, hello and welcome to another edition of Dragon Talk. I'm Mark Rivers from the Wrexham Support Association's football commentary. And well, to kick off, a bit of a deadline day shocker. We were told by Brian Little at Altingham that there was no chance of bringing in any new fresh blood. There just wasn't the budget. And yet, surprise, surprise, with deadline looming, he's brought in a new midfielder, Tom Taylor from the Portland Timbers. No, I thought I'd get the lowdown on this new guy from stateside. So I called Oregon and called Bob Callis, who runs an excellent blog on the Timbers. It's timbers.offside.com to see if he could shed any light on this guy. Well, Bob, uh, firstly, th- thanks very much for, for helping me out. And um, tell us a bit about this uh, Tom Taylor guy that appears to be on his way to Wrexham. Well, Tom Taylor, interesting character. He joined the Portland Timbers here in the United States uh, last season, 2007 season, played five games for us, about 133 minutes. Um, So we didn't really see a whole lot of him. What we did see of him, though, he he is a tall player. He's got very big size and decent speed. Um, He had a pretty powerful left foot, but he got caught up in a numbers game here, just didn't play very much came back this year, and about midway through the season, he uh, was released from his contract, so he could go pursue something elsewhere, and it looks like he's ended up in, in your area. Yeah, I was interested in reading about him in your blog as well, because you, you weren't sure whether he was any better than some of the local talent that you've got, were you? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we just never really got a chance to see him. I mean, presumably the coaching staff saw him uh, in training, and they, they formed their opinions there. But in, in game action, he just didn't get a chance. Uh, we, we did see him play a full 90 minutes uh, last year in, in an exhibition, exhibition match against uh, AC Milan's uh, youth team, and he scored a goal, a very impressive goal in that game. But in terms of regular season play, he just didn't have much of an opportunity here. I think you know, we're looking for someone a bit physical, I think, and strong to, in midfield more than, than creative in, in a sense. So it sounds like maybe with his size and everything, he fulfills that at least. Yeah, I, w- I would say so, and you know, I know a lot of your listeners probably aren't very familiar with the USL First Division, which is the league in which uh, the Portland Timbers play, but it, it has a reputation of being a pretty physical league, and so, uh, you know, if nothing else, I think in the training that he had here in the year and a half, uh, he, was, he was going up against some very physical players. I was. I think my listeners would be very interested as well in in that league because, of course, I mean, people are a little bit aware in Britain of the MLS more since Beckham went over. Um, but the idea of leagues without promotion and relegation are, are rather alien to us. So, so you'll be in that that division forever, I guess, would you? Unless there's a big restructuring. Yeah, that's right. It's it is kind of a, a unique American uh, identity. Um, you know, for better or for worse, that that's how it's structured here. You have MLS, which is the the top league in the country, and then below it, the USL First Division. And so, you know, for example, the team that wins the USL First Division this year does not automatically go up to MLS. It's just a, a different league, different ownership, different structure. And so the only, really the only way that the city can move into MLS is to have an owner who's willing to, to pony up the money to get an expansion team, uh, which actually Portland is, is in the running for one of the expansion teams now. But there's no guarantee. I mean, even if we finish first or last this season, it doesn't matter. We're still going to be in the USL First Division next year. And another thing which uh, has crept slightly into British sport, of course, the, the idea of franchises. I mean, I guess uh, y- your owners, uh, in theory, could get an expansion spot, but decide to relocate it, I guess. Is it, would that be correct? 
Uh, sure, yeah, that, that could happen. It has happened in the past. Uh, I don't think that would happen in the case of Portland. Interesting enough, our owner is the son of the um, current U.S. Secretary of Treasury, uh, Merritt Polson. His son is Henry Polson, whose uh, signature appears on our, on our dollar bill. And so, um, you know, our, our owner has some deep pockets and has some ties to Portland, and I wouldn't see it happening here, but certainly elsewhere in this country we see teams moving from city to city from time to time. It's, it's, it's a rare uh, thing, but it does happen, and, you know, if, if you're in a city where your team moves, it certainly is disheartening and frustrating. Oh, yeah, the whole uh, Brooklyn Dodgers scenario, <laughs> I suppose, is we recognize best over here. Um, and, and, of course, I guess you also have, um, well, I don't know, the MLS... Did they still the actual MLS pay the players wages as well? Didn't they? Rather than they've freed it up a bit, haven't they? Since Beckham's come over, but there's quite strict salary caps and things like that as well, aren't there? Yeah, that that's right. With the structure of MLS, it's it's the league uh, imposes a salary cap on each team. The league pays the salaries, not the teams. And so you have guys like Beckham, who you know he's making a few million dollars a year. And then there's players who are younger who are making $12,000 a year, which, you know, is, is really uh, slave wages um, in the most severe sense in, in the United States. Uh, interestingly enough, the, the USL First Division, where, where the Timbers play and where, where Taylor played, um, are not bound by those same rules. So the players in, in this league can make more money um, even than some MLS teams. Um, you know, it's really up to the discretion of, of the owners. And so in situations uh, often, you'll, you'll, you'll have players who are capable of playing in MLS, but they end up playing in the USL First Division because they can make more money. And so, um, you know, the talent level is, is pretty high relative to MLS. This is ironic. It's not like I said, it's alien to us as well, the, the notion that, yeah, basically you can win your league, but there's no movement towards the MLS, not, not, not on the pitch anyway. It's a, it's a fascinating setup. Do you have the draft as well, or, or is that just in the MLS? Uh, we used to have a draft, but we, we no longer do. Uh, it, it kind of was a pointless endeavor. A lot of the players who were drafted would end up uh, going, playing overseas or playing in, uh, in MLS, so it, it didn't really hold the rights of, of the team. You know, I mean, it, it is a different structure. Um, you know, a lot of us would love to see us move more towards a, a British structure or a European structure. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's the same game. You know, 11 players go out there and play against another 11 players, and there's a ball and there's two goals, and, and the team that gets the ball and the goal wins. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mind you, we, we, we usually struggle at that at our, our side, I promise you. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll note that the Portland Timbers are the lowest scoring team in the league this year, so <laughs> we, we haven't seen many of that much of that either. Well, I... I, I I've got to be honest, this year we've started very, very well, but um, part of that's because we've sunk to the lowest level in our history. <laughs> I think that's why. Yeah. I think we finally hit a level where, um, I don't know, we, we, <laughs> the opposition's not quite yeah. so strong, perhaps. So, uh, again, un- 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 unfortunately for the Portland Timbers, we can't get any lower, so we, <laughs> we'd, have, we'd have to go play you know, in an a- amateur league, uh, I don't know, so in some other country maybe. <laughs> Canada's not that far, eh? <laughs> well, that's right. And, and actually, interestingly enough, our, our league uh, does have a couple of Canadian oh, teams. Yeah, yeah. We, we have a team, uh, Vancouver Whitecaps, and we also have a team from Montreal. And in addition to that, we also have a team from Puerto Rico, which uh, is about, uh, I think, 3,000 miles from, from Portland to Puerto Rico. So the league is quite, quite well uh, spread out. And, you know, if nothing else, uh, Tom Taylor will be used to any sort of travel experiences for your club. 
Well, ironically enough, with us being in a new league now, we're going to travel more this season than we ever have done before, but nothing like that. I mean, I was complaining I had to go four hours there and back on Saturday, but uh, <laughs> I think going to Puerto Rico is not a different kettle of fish, isn't it? Right, well, our, our nearest rival is Seattle, which is a three-hour trip for us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, well, it's, it can't do much for away support. <laughs> guess, can no, no, there, is, there isn't much away support. No, yeah. if, you're a, if you're a diehard enough to travel, then uh, you earn the respect of the other, other fans for sure. Oh, excellent. So, Bob, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. It really has. Um, I've already mentioned on the podcast uh, your uh, website address, and I recommend everyone to have a look. It's a, it's a good reason. It's an absolute pleasure to hear from you. I'm really glad to hear about Taylor as well. So thank you very much for helping me out. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I wish you uh, the best of luck this year. I hope Tom Taylor features in a lot of your games and uh, shows that he's, he's a player worth reckoning. Oh, I'll smash him. Well, thank you very much, Tom. That's, that's absolutely brilliant. So there you go, there's the lowdown on Tom Taylor. He sounds like a really interesting acquisition. Right, on to the conference matters and last Saturday's win at Salisbury. And if it sounds like this next section is, was recorded while I was wandering around the field after a dog, it's because it was recorded while I was wandering around the field after a dog. This is Dragon Talk. It's all of a sudden. It looks pretty nice on the pitch, doesn't it? Uh, six games into the season. We're in the playoff spots. I know it's early days, but we've only had two home games in that time. Everyone's been getting pessimistic about away form. And yet, I must be holding up pretty well to allow us to be that high up of just two home games to back us up. And yeah, it's, uh, it's all looking rather promising. I'm going to have a little bit of a focus today on Jeff Louie. I apologise, it's not the first time. But, guy, this guy's an enigma. He's fascinating. And, well, he's, I think he'll give us enough material on his own for a whole season of podcasts, if I'm honest with you. Against Salisbury. Goodness me. Just about summed him up. He did some strange stuff. He did some wonderful stuff. He got, meh, well, I think one, I did think one goal, I should say. I'm not going to push my luck, though, because... Well, let's just say I made a bit of a tactical error after the match when I suggest to him that he only scored one goal. Well, Jeff, how many goals did you score this afternoon? Two, of course. Oh, no, seriously, how many? Two. Really? <laughs> Two. Yeah, he wasn't that amused, and he's big. <laughs> he glared at me. It reminded me of a, a clip I saw of an interview of George Foreman before the rumble in the jungle. He was going to fight Muhammad Ali in Zaire. And a poor, naive journalist walked up to him. Of course, Foreman, I know how he's this avuncular, cute character selling grills. But, oh, goodness me, in those days he was terrifying. And this poor, naive reporter, like I said, walked up to him and said to him, what would you do if you lose? And Foreman just fixed this terrifying glare at him and said, I beg your pardon. And the naive fella just thought he hadn't heard him and actually asked him it again. And George Foreman stared at him again. I beg your pardon. And then <laughs> the reporter suddenly realised and began to cringe. And Foreman just said, thank you very much, nice to talk to you, and walked away. And the reporter would be pretty glad to escape with his life. Well, I, I felt a little bit like that yesterday because hmm, only a, a fool comes between a, a striker and his goals. It's like trying to take a bone off a, a Rottweiler. Louis is going to claim that goal no matter what. And, yeah, there's no dubious goals, commissions and panels in the conference, so... I mean, well, being a man just to get away with it as well. Good luck to him, I say. So, anyway, he's such a weird enigma of a player, isn't he? It's fascinating to listen to Brian Little talking about him after the match, where he makes him sound like he's a bit of a project, you know. I guess all managers like the idea of taking a player on and trying to get something out of him that other managers don't. 
our managers sometimes, I think, like are attracted to the challenge of taking on a player who's supposed to be a troublemaker and being the person who turns them around. Otherwise, why the hell would anybody have paid for Joey Barton? And I think Little might just be looking at Louis in the same way. And, you know, you've heard in the previous podcast uh, what's Woking <laughs> thought of Louis and the idea that he'll have a, a great early burst full of enthusiasm and then it'll go wrong. And, oh, OK, we may be seeing that pattern repeat itself again. Who knows? But there's no question that Louis has brought something to the team. After what I thought was a slow start, I must admit, I was talking before the Oxford game to some people saying that I didn't rate him at all, but that seems to have been a real turning point where he's switched on more somehow, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating. Let's hope he can maintain it. But even, even at Salisbury, we saw signs of how erratic he can be just before his, well, all right, his second goal, shall we say, the one that's definitely his. He made the most amateurish daft mistake. He was deep in his own half. A good interception by him. We had players breaking him. Men over going forwards. He had a simple pass to his right and two players overlapping in acres of space. And he, he strolled onto it in the most languid style you could imagine. And just side-footed it miles out of their reach. And it was, it was dreadful. It was so amateurish. And we were railing about him, Andy and I, in the commentary. And as we were saying, that was sloppy. He goes and turns his man on the halfway line, tears her up to the edge of the box and slots it under the keeper. And we suddenly have to eat our words and say that was magnificent. It's, he's peculiar, isn't he? Uh, but it's peculiar in a way I like. <laughs> I hope he can, he can keep this up because he's clearly got the wherewithal, despite the fact he's erratic, to damage conference defenders. And Brian Little has decided, really focused on his strength running with the ball saying that it's something that other clubs haven't done, they just lumped it onto his head. And certainly, it's, it's, if that's the case, and this is a new aspect of his game, and it, it's, it's a good piece of management, a really good piece of management by Little, because we're getting a lot out of him. He scored two goals now like that, turning and running at defenders. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's an effective weapon. It's, he's not a sort of Simon Brown-type bloke who can sprint in, I don't think, behind the defence onto a through ball. Not that often, I don't think. But he's got such strength, and once he gets his momentum going, he's hard to stop, and he really gets a, a decent pace going. And as we've seen at Salisbury as well, once he's got himself beyond that defender, and he's, he's moving, he's got such strength that it's difficult for the defenders to knock him off it. You know, he's, he, he never really got totally away from the centre-back, but he was never going to be muscled off it by him either. It was, it was impressive, very impressive. He's quite a physical uh, specimen. I don't know. Mind you, he had a bit of a fright afterwards because as we were interviewing him, the team coach drove off. <laughs> he wasn't actually going with the team coach, but Martin Foyle, I think winding him up a little bit, stopped the coach and uh, decided to call out to him. And for a moment, <laughs> it sounded like Louis might have dropped himself in hot water. No, no coach. No. <laughs> No, 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 I'm getting a lift back to... Thanks for telling us again. Alright, no, no, sorry, no. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. So, it was a, it was a joke. It was all sorted out amicably, but just for a moment. <laughs> we might have thought there'd been a, a spoiler to his day. You know, talk about him possibly being erratic now. Mackington have, sort of behind the scenes, been suggesting that why he left, why they let Wally go, Sean Wally, was that he was er he's erratic. And if that is the case, hell, <laughs> that's pretty stupid. Because, alright, I don't want erratic defenders and goalkeepers. I want them to be solid and consistent. But, you know, both Louis and Wally 
I've got in a sort of position where okay, I can, I can take a bit of erratic form if you're going to win a match and then have two bad games and creative players like that. Yeah, frankly, I'm a bit more willing to accept it because you've won a game every one in three. So, yeah, Waldy was, was terrific. I, I do feel, although he can take a chance and clearly showed that, especially first day of the season, but he, I think he's a better on the wing. Not least because he showed at Salisbury, he can cut inside and still score goals. And that gives us just that, that extra option. So I'm encouraged. Simon Brown's an interesting one to put into the equation. Though I'm not quite sure what to make of him in, in, in some senses. I like the look of him, technically. I think he looks very, very tidy. He's very neat. He doesn't lose the ball often. He's clearly got pace. And yet, thus far, he hasn't looked like he's actually going to hurt the opposing defence. And that's a, a strange conundrum, isn't it? I find it difficult to square that circle. Uh, he, he's he's neat and tidy. He's a sort of and uh, maybe a manager's type of player. Where a manager will look at him and think, yeah, yeah, he plays good football the way I want him to play. He's got a good brain on him. He's got decent technique. But he's got to start cracking in chances and getting on the end of chances. He hasn't all that much. He set that goal up at Rushton, of course. And apart from that, he hasn't really managed to do that. I feel a bit sorry for him. I think at Rushton he played well and he should have been maybe given more of a crack of the whip, and instead he was dropped for the next game. And then, as Altrincham, I thought it was peculiar when he was brought on, he's already said he's not crazy about being a winger, he's had to play through the middle, and he's put on the long, wrong flank as well, which seemed rather peculiar when Wally was in the middle and wasn't getting anywhere, and it seemed obvious to me to switch them over. But <laughs> Brown in the middle, Wally on the left, and that's indeed what we did against Salisbury, and an impressive result, so... I don't know, the jury's a bit out on Simon Brown at the moment, so I think he's got the wherewithal. I can't stop wondering, though. <laughs> I just hope he can consistently start to get chances and, and, and put them away, because there's something that haunts me a little bit. Um, it shows his potential, but also his potential for not quite doing the job for us. He, in January, scored the fastest hat-trick in the history of Mansfield Town. He scored three goals in seven minutes against Macclesfield. Wow, great, so clearly he can be a match winner. But he hasn't scored since. That's back in January, so you know you can you can see you know, how he could turn either way, couldn't you? Really, I don't know. But anyway, it's nice to <laughs> nice to see a scoring goals. We got I'm here making it sound like oh, you know we've got things to worry about. How all the pieces of the jigsaw slot together? We're in a good position. We're well, I think second top scorers in the table. It's all you know rather better than the last couple of years, isn't it? The Burton game's going to be fascinating, because Burton can't stop scoring. They are the top scorers, but they also can't stop letting them in either. They've only got a goal difference of plus four, despite the fact they've scored a hell of a lot of goals. So I think that'll be an interesting game. And I think that's interesting of home form. <laughs> it looks great at the moment, with two convincing wins against highly rated teams. They're the top two in the, bu- the Bucky's betting at the start of the season for the title. But um, I wonder, I wonder, is it realistic, that? Or oh, have we been flattered because both of those sides are players sent off? Um, the, the thing that worries me slightly is that in both those cases, those teams have come hoping for at least a point from us. They've come at us, and that's given us a chance to attack them. And that's the thing that suited us down to the ground. What bothered me about Altrincham was they were the opposite. They shut up sharp, especially after they'd been given that early goal. And we found it very, very difficult to break them down. And, hmm, <laughs> that worries me more. The sort of team that comes to the race course, gets everyone behind the ball, closes us down. You know, how are we going to break them down or not? That, that could be where our home form gets tested, ironically enough, by the weaker teams rather than the stronger ones. But still, 
I'm quite happy with our position. I wouldn't trade it with anybody else. And I suspect Burton, looking at their record, will be the sort of side that will come at us. So Tuesday night could be quite a laugh. Quite an interesting game. And a chance for us to just push on further, help our credentials for promotion. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> Let's hope that on Tuesday night we're still laughing. I'm Mark Rivers from the Wrexham Sports Association's Football Commentary. This is Dragon Talk.